HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super-duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border, coast to coast, and all the ships at sea. Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show. Spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear fission. They're too bad for radio and too good-looking for television. And now, here they are, the Nichols and May of the now generation, your hosts, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire. Well, hello, hello, hello. Hi. Well, that's not Judy. Uh, it's Mike Edison here on the Mike and Judy Show, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network here at Roberta's in Bushwick. And it's punk rock pizza party today, but unfortunately, sans Judy McGuire, who is still recuperating from her book party this week, the best book party of all time for her new book, the official book of sex, drugs, and rock and roll lists. If you don't have it, please wow. go out and get it right away. No, it's a motherfucker, man. It's, it's She the, is it's, still hungover from the research. It's, it's the shit. But sitting and in for uh, Judy today is our friend Eric Davidson. Hi, my, thanks for having me, Mike. <laughs> um, who is unfortunately not too hot for television, um, <laughs> but, but is uh, the author of uh, We Never Learn, the Gunk Punk Manifesto. <laughs> yes, uh, Gunk Punk Undergrad, 1988 to 2001. Mike was my editor. He spent many a sorrowful uh, night having to look at my... my Junk. I've, I've, I've been outed as the man behind the screen. I am the Wizard of Oz over here. He but, is the Wizard um, of Oz. Our very special yeah. guest today is Mick Collins of, of uh, the Gories, and more recently, the Dirt Bombs, one of my very, very favorite bands, and one of the few survivors of the gunk punk era. <laughs> 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 Go ahead and well, stop using that phrase. I don't know it's questionable whether or not I survived. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like we're three superannuated punks in this room. And I guess, well, we've been at it for a long fucking time. I mean, the three of us... Um, Wait, that's the first time in my life I heard the phrase superannuated punks. Well, well, it's the first well, time I've had it applied to me, but unfortunately it's quite accurate. Yeah, <laughs> accurate. yeah well, like I say, if the Jew fits. Hey! Um, so, no, seriously. Wait, Mick, you're a Jew? I'm a Jew-ish. <laughs> Um, Mick, how long have you been in this racket? I mean, it's been a, been a while, right? And you're still at it, and actually I, stronger and better than ever. Your output now, I mean, rivals 
the first stuff you were doing, which is unlike most of the people who got in this racket. Thank you. I hung my shingle out of 1980. <laughs> the first the first money I got for playing music was in 1980, and then uh, and then the Gories didn't form until six years later. And what was the first band like? For those who know know the Gories, uh, for those what, hey, well, what was the, the run up? What was the run up to the Gories? I can only imagine. Uh, well, the, <laughs> the band before the Gories was called the Floor Tasters, <laughs> and uh, we basically sounded like uh, the first two Wire LPs. That was our, our sole source of inspiration for uh, what we did. That's not really uh, the gunk. That's more like ang- the angular sort of post angular punk. Yeah, we were, yeah, exactly. We were sort of teenage post punks. We were more more into the residents than the Sex Pistols kind of thing, and. You know, hardcore, that, that sort of that. But that not whole. that resonance record with just whale sounds for 45 minutes, not that. <laughs> it's funny because I never really took you well, for. I don't know, you know. I never really took you for an art fag. Yeah, well, unfortunately, <laughs> I really. I am an art fag. <laughs> I'm going to out myself right now. I'm an art fag. I mean, the Gories are one of those bands whose influence is like much huger than I think. Um, the lamestream media to, to cop a Sarah Palinism, um, even realizes I mean I think you guys had an unbelievable influence on so many people from uh, Jack White and the Blues Explosion and just trickled down from there I mean you guys had a fucking yeah. punch I, I mean I, I don't I don't really think about it most of the time but it is true like the, they, the Blues Explosion told me that they actually met at a Gory show like all three of them were, were there the second time the Gorys came to came to New York City they were all there well, I love the Gories. I mean, I think they're one of the best. I mean, I think, you know, it's like you guys were into deep blues as opposed to, say, the Cramps were into rockabilly. Right. We thought of ourselves as a blues band. Yeah. And most people, you know, like, it, it sure do. is rock music, and we didn't, we didn't have any idea. That's why, you know, I, I, I coined the term punk blues because we were a punk-inflected blues band as opposed to any kind of a rock band. Like, we barely, we didn't really, you know, we apart from, like, you know, those sort of the early garage rock comps that were just starting to come out, like Nuggets and, and that mm-hmm. and Scum of the Earth and that, those were just starting to happen when we when we were around. Apart from those, we really only listened to like chess blues and, and you know like Lomax recordings and that kind of thing. And our main inspiration were blues artists. Now, I remember I remember you were telling me that when I when I interviewed Mick for my damn book, uh, you were telling me that stuff. And what but what was Detroit at the time? Like what was Detroit? Like as far as being able to get a show, say eighty seven, eighty eight, yeah, around it was that time, completely wide open. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. You could, you know, you could get a show anywhere. I mean, you know, we <laughs> because we thought of ourselves as a blues band, we couldn't get shows in blues clubs. Well, no, yeah, yeah. no, because they're looking for the happy horseshit <laughs> yeah. hour. Exactly, you know, like they, I say, yeah, the, the Michelob hammer. style of blues, the Johnny right, exactly. Carson style. Yeah, they yeah, wanted, yeah, yeah. They good times, Michelob good yeah. friends. Yeah. These <laughs> times are made yeah. for Michelob. No, it's bullshit. Yeah. 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 We no, were a little, we were a little too abrasive for that sort of thing. But you could, you could get shows. I mean, there were there were plenty of outlets for a, a small local band to play. That was, you know, that actually is really more than anything else that worked in our favor more than anything else because you could always get a show somewhere. There was there was a there was a place called Reruns. You could always play reruns. You could always was it named play. after the guy in What's Happening. I don't. Think so. <laughs> you know, I've wondered about that over the years. I'm not actually where, sure. Where did What's Happening take place? Uh, was it was it uh. Philly? Pittsburgh? I, yeah, maybe Philly. Okay, this question's maybe going Philly. nowhere. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> but, well, no, it's interesting you <laughs> but, say that. But because I, I think about it just as, you know, this, you know the, with these classic urban comedies. Right. You, you know, and why I never why knew where that was. I was just talking was about 227 yesterday. Where did 227 take place? It doesn't was, matter. Anyway. That's not an area code, right? Yeah, it's, not yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's not like the comedy that is the 313. Uh, 227 <laughs> definitely took place in East New York. But it's funny you say that because in my book, it seemed like every, every musician that I 
interviewed who was whose band formed before about 1990 or 91 everyone except for you uh, <laughs> complained that their town if you wanted to do original music there was no place to play that everybody wanted oh, like wow. cover bands or blues bands or bands wow. doing hits of the day or DJs playing disco they all complained and anybody after 1991 the whole DIY thing kicked in and every band had at least like a house show or uh, a I see bar. in Detroit it was you could play there were many same with Cleveland they were, they were yeah, open yeah, yeah. mic they were they were venues like one the first place the Gorys ever played was a church that had an open mic night like in there they had like this room was it a back. working church or a closed no church? it was a working church okay, yeah. and they had this thing like a, a the, like a concert series where you could go and you signed up and you know, and then when when the time came along, it's okay. You, you guys go on at ten thirty. Ten thirty, you set up and you play. But did you have to long. sit in a confessional or do something no, like no, that? No, no, no. <laughs> you, you went out back, and they had like food. You know, it was like you kind of sat. It was like a like a supper club almost, and you, you had no. And they they put like solo acts and folk acts on first, and then around about eleven eleven o'clock or so, they put in put on bands. Yeah, like the that night, the first night we ever played. The act that went on right before us was Rob Tyner playing solo auto heart. Oh yeah, yeah, Emery. You know, yeah. Crazy. So he did a bunch of like Vietnam protest songs. This was 1986. <laughs> yes. I guess he didn't get that memo. Yeah. yeah. So well, listen. Speaking of playing in churches, guys, I want you to think of the Mike and Judy show as your confession booth. Oh, very nice. Yes. <laughs> I've well, then I want to have like a screen in front of me so I can't see your mic and I can just tell you all my horrible lies. I'll tell you what. About I used to lie to priests. Uh, I'll tell you. Confession. <laughs> I lied. To really? Priests. What kind of lies? Like sins, sins that well, you, you wanted to do that you aspired no, to I or lie to or lie like no I haven't jerked off no I didn't fuck that whore no I didn't do those <laughs> oh, was pathetic. Or, or, or like you know forgive me father for I have like you know forgive me father for I have sin my sins are and then I would say like I would be like well I swore at my parents and the priest being creepy would say what were the swear words and, <laughs> and, and I said and instead of saying fuck or cock or whatever I, I would say I said damn and he's like that's not so bad you know I say damn from the pulpit and then it became very weird you know and then you, so well, in those conversations were always they you, went nowhere you never wanted to terrible. tell the priest that you set somebody's house on fire. <laughs> so you made something else up. You just, you know. I used to make napalm. I did used to make napalm with my friend where you put gas in, in styrofoam cups and mix it together and it oh, turns yes. into like napalm. And you we guys, used to dump that on top of churches. Well, you guys are like Midwest. You got a lot of free time out there. Yes, a lot of free time. A lot of free time. You know, you a lot free of time. buildings and, to burn. That's right. And you got what we didn't have in New York and that's like garages. Okay. Yes. Actual you know, and garages. Actual yes. garages. You know, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, playing New York, New York is so difficult to play in because it's just not a friendly town for musicians. I haven't even set up my drums in, in years. I have my drums I set up in, in my you know in my uh, storage space. I've set them up more times in Paris than I have in New York. It's just <laughs> not a fucking friend. No, because I take them on the road as they play them in a club, but to play them in New York, where the fuck am I going to go yeah, exactly. and set up my drums? But don't you think there's something about that that I've lived in New York for a while now and I got this new band, Livids, by the way. That's my new band. A little plug. Um, don't you think there's something about that that kind of does force you to concentrate it on your music? It makes you and- fucking harder. Let me tell you something. Yeah, yeah, when we started yeah. up playing yeah, that's right, Detroit. Listen to this. Guy. All right, because when we started, right, I mean, just, just me. to be in a band, the barrier to entry, you know, was so great because studios were expensive. Well, I mean, now there's a lot oh, more yeah. and a lot more people playing music, and recording studios were very expensive, it's still expensive, and difficult here. to use. But it was like crazy, you know. And they weren't set up to do a million punk rock records. Right. It's good because. People got better as records became, you know, better recorded and the technology caught up. Sure. But let me tell you something. To put together a show and to rehearse and to get the four people together, you know, with had no cars and travel on subways and how you get your gear to the gig. And then to promote the gig, you know, you're putting up flyers and you're running around town and you're risking getting, you know, arrested and whatnot. It's fucking hard in New York, man. Yeah. You can't play loud anywhere. You got to pay for it. When Nobody ranch, has a basement. No one has a car. When the ranch hands would play, did you guys end up like... 
borrowing and equipment with other opening bands and things, or did you really drag all your fucking well, drums we, on we, a well, subway? And- uh, you, well, you try to swap in New York always, and then now you know clubs sure. are getting a little smarter and have like some sort of formula of backline. Let me tell you something. In Sharky's Machine, my first band of any a note in New York, we took our shit to gigs to CBGBs in shopping carts we'd ripped off from the Grand Union <laughs> on Lafayette Street, nice. and that's actually how we got our first record that's deal. Crazy. Is um, Kramer of uh, Shimmy Disc? Yeah. Uh, we went to this place, no say no, but he saw us wheeling our shit to a gig, literally a bass drum, a bass guitar. <laughs> A fucking cabinet in three shopping carts, which we locked up with bicycle locks outside the fucking club on Livingston Street, and that's how we got to the gig. That's and he was so awesome. fucking impressed. He was like, "You offered us a contract on the spot." Wow, <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. You know, recently we've just had we just Whatever had to live through to this thing called the CBGBs Festival. You know, which uh, to me was kind of scary because it was a lot of people trying to cra- uh, claim authenticity. You know, when they really had no uh, contact point with, with the true thing Never it, actually itself. played there. Never played there or really understood what the zeitgeist of CBGBs was, which was what you were talking about before. And I think what a place like Don Pedro's sort of became, you know, here in Bushwick and other places. We play places that let us play. Right. Yeah. That's it. Right. Can we play here? Yes. And it turned into a scene. It wasn't exactly. you know, this, this, this vision of Hilly, who's you know, a great guy and was able to foster this, but it wasn't, yeah. I love your band, the right. Ramones and television and Blondie and the Talking Heads, who actually well, stylistically like, hey, have nothing to some... do with each other. Right. Right. But he let them play, let them build their scene there, and was you know, smart enough to, to let, let it happen you yeah. know, and, and have a culture created. Because you can't buy culture. Well, right? I mean, Which is what the CBGB's thing is trying to do. It's why I'm against. I feel like I'm being co-opted. You know, every oh, time I see that fucking brand somewhere. Absolutely. Well, they literally said, the guys that took it over literally said something like, this festival, we may not even do it again. It's just to re- they literally said, reintroduce the brand. And it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, but said that. I- I- I'm trying to be open-minded here. But it's like, reintroduce the brand. It's like, it- why? Like what? And the bands kind of didn't make sense. It was a weird mix. I was out of town anyway. I went to a wedding in Akron, Ohio. I, 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 boy- great time. About it. I boycotted, man. And no yeah. offense to any of the bands who oh, play, course, who yeah. I personally like. But I every time I was like, ooh, we're playing the CBGB's festival. You know, it upsets me. You know, CBGB's was a great place to play. Did you ever get to play there, Mick? The Dirt Bombs played there once, and Blacktop actually played there once. Blacktop, another, another no, no, not Blacktop, but the Dirt Bombs did play there. We had a really great show there. Isn't it a great place I to had, play? The yeah. three times the Turks played there, I had as good of a time as any other show. I had one of my top three favorite shows ever. I mean, it was definitely, it sucked to have to take a whiz. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. but otherwise that's it was awesome. just like, well, whiz was a joy. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, but, but it I was didn't. just, I just amazing. went outside. Yeah. I thought the outside second, it was cleaner. I loved the, the installation known as the CBGB's Well, I'm coming from Ohio. It sounds corny as hell, but definitely when you stood on stage, you're like, hey, you know, the Ramones, the Ramones played here and blah, blah, blah. And you were standing there, but not just all that, but it was actually a fun club. Like one, of these the joints stage at CBGB's if you got a good sound check no stage ever yeah, sounded yeah, yeah. that good it had its yeah. own sound I saw the Liars play there and they were incredible great fucking room but at the end you know when CBGB's was, was really fading the truth is the club itself wasn't booking competitively oh, for at least they weren't booking years. anybody yeah. Um, yeah, at least, yeah. yeah and no one played there I mean the other uh-huh. clubs that have come and gone like Coney Island High were yeah. getting the gigs that's right. where we went to play that's where the Ron Chans would play right, that's right, where right. you know when you came to town that's where you all play um, and clubs come and go but CBGB's was there and wasn't doing Anything to foster it, so and didn't really want to save their own club. So when this whole yeah, hullabaloo sure, of save like CBGBs it. came up, it's like, man, the fuckers who own this place don't want to save it because they make more money in the t-shirt business. Right. I don't blame Hilly for not wanting to do it, but I think that there was something that was not in good faith about. The I world. remember seeing people get up at some of these C- save CBGB shows a few years ago. And after they would give some speech about how we should save CBs, I'd ask them, when's the last time you went to see a show there? And it was literally like seven <laughs> years. Right. You know, it was just like years, you know. And I, I still was going to 
because he shows her once in a while, but, you know, it is what it is. Clubs move on. It's I'm all right. I'm not crazy about what's happening to the Bowery, but change is inevitable. Manhattan has always been about change, and I find that always, people who protest always. at months are the ones that have done the least to affect it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have uh, a great treat because we have the new Dirt Bomb single we're going to spin today. You want to set up for us, Mick? Tell us what the story is. Uh, this this is record? the first single off the new album, which is entitled Ooey Gooey Chewy Kablooey. <laughs> um, it is an o- the Which whole- is Yiddish for what again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the album is uh, an homage to... Pardon to classic bubblegum music of the late sixties, early seventies, as opposed to the non-classic, as opposed bubblegum. to the non-classic bubblegum, right? <laughs> the All really right. crappy bubblegum. So this track is called "Crazy for You," and there's a lot of Saturday mornings watching Scooby Doo that went into this record. Ruh-roh. All right, Joe, spin it. <laughs> Listen to the Mike and Judy show here on the Heritage Radio Network. Here's the Dirt Bombs. <laughs> Strange, everything is spinning round and round. Really kind of funny, yeah. My whole world is upside down. You did this to me, you're the only thing I see. But I feel so free. I may be crazy, but it's only because I'm crazy for you. But it's only cause I'm crazy for you Taking over my mind Turning me on a dime But I just don't wanna get it right Girl, you're not a doctor But I love your love and care You got the power And I feel it everywhere There's nothing else to do I surrender to you I feel so bad Crazy, but it's only cause I'm crazy for you 
All right, we're back on the Mike and Judy Show here, streaming live on the Heritage Radio Network from Thank Roberta's and Bushwick. It's Mike Edison, and sitting in for Judy McGuire is Eric Davidson. Hey! Oh, hey, author of We Never Learn. Truer words have never been spoke. Never. Right, right, right Mick Collins? <laughs> we never learn. <laughs> Why the fuck are you still doing it? <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, uh, I, I, I didn't, I probably reached a couple of good places where I could have stopped, and I didn't. Well, you're kicking ass. I mean, you're doing great. The Dirt Bombs are such a fantastic uh, band. I mean, really, um, right out of the gate with Ultra Glide and Black, I mean, you guys made a hardcore statement. That was a great rock and roll record. Oh, thank you. Um, but, like I said, a lot of us haven't been able to walk through that door and keep on playing. Right. What, what's the secret, dude? I, you know what? <clears throat> I don't have an answer for that. You know, I my original vision for the Dirt Bombs was we were only going to make 7-inch EPs, and then there were only going to be like 15 of them, and then I was done. And then... Um, uh, at some point, the money got really good. Like people started coming to shows. Like I wasn't expecting that because this isn't was, that was, weird when people actually come to shows? Yeah. Like, wow. I mean, this was an art project. It wasn't a band. Like I didn't get together. So I'm going to have a band and make records. It was like this was an art project. I'm going to put together this weird idea for this. You know, to make music, make a bit of music, and then call it quits. And then people started showing up at shows, and the money got really good. I was like, well, I don't, I don't want to stop now because I'm actually you know paying my bills kind of thing with it. Yeah. And I just didn't stop. You stayed on the road for a long time with the Dirt Bombs. Yeah, I did. We've been we've been on the we've been at, you know in 19. In 2008, we did 150 some shows. Wow! And you finally wow. moved, finally moved out of the beloved Detroit to New York City. I did. What was the decision making process in that? There, I met a woman who wouldn't move to Detroit. Ah, <laughs> stories that start with I met a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she goes on the road with you guys. Story. She what? Does she go on the road with you guys? Oh no! Well, once she went. To, she went to <laughs> see, Ireland. With oh, us. I like. Oh no! You see, that's the that's, that's the correct Perfect That's answer. the correct response. That is the only because answer. it changes yeah. the dynamic. You know, we love our girlfriends. You know, of our wives. Of course, we do. What girl and, wants to sit in a van for eight hours talking about pooping? Exactly. You know, nobody knows. First of all, I don't want to sit in a van for eight hours talking about pooping. <laughs> but, and yet we do. Why is that? <laughs> pooping in Ramon's bootlegs. No one want to do that. Yeah, I've been trying to change the dynamic a little bit as we get a little bit older. So I mean, take. Your new single finds you in a, a mellow mood. Ah, uh, yeah, we know for the one for the yeah <laughs> mellow ish, I guess for the one record. You know, again, it's like you know this is a it, it was an idea that that had been kicking around for a long time, and I, I joked about doing a bubblegum album. So finally, was like, well. Why don't you just make the bubblegum record? So finally, I just decided... <laughs> well, maybe okay, not so mellow if you record. eat a bunch of pixie sticks and chew bubblegum while listening to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and you get really crazy like <laughs> right. Bart and Melhouse when they went running around town high. on all that sugar high. Yeah, <laughs> do that, you know? Sugar high. It's yeah, one, one of the many vices that I really wasn't into the whole time we were out doing it. It's like sugar. At least not, really? sugar, at least not, the, at least sugar, not the kind that came out of a pixie stick. Sugar pales in comparison to what Mike usually did in Spain, which was my question for you, Mr. Edison, if you don't mind me asking. Lay, lay it on me. I've got no secrets. Connected to my book, We Never Learned the Gunk Punk Undergut, 1988 to 2001. Um, you lived in Spain for a while. You had a crazy-ass punk rock band with a giant singer who was crazy yeah. and asked me to touch, touch his hernia a number of times the last time I saw um, why do you well, think most of the bands in my book seem to all do better in general as far as getting paid and being able to tour in Europe? Why do you think that we, is? We always did. Starting out with um, Sharky's Machine, my first band, and then later when I was in the wrong chance, mm. they'd pretty much given up touring in the States because it was too expensive. And, you know, you don't get the respect. I mean, it's hard, harder to get guarantees. Right. You certainly don't get a place to crash. You go to Europe and, you know, part of the deal is you get a place to crash and you get food. Right? Absolutely. I mean, even, you know, we're not rock stars, but we show up and there's a deli platter waiting for us and there's beer 
were waiting for us and we got treated as musicians with respect as yeah. artists it was always great like we'd show up and there'd be a deli tray and we just drove four hours we're like food so you eat all the deli tray and then like 10 minutes later they go dinner is in an hour well, look, and you're like wait I just ate this deli tray and then you eat way too much and then you puke on stage. well look, the crazy thing was you know when I was in Spain playing with the pleasure fuckers um, and even towards the end of the ranch hands, we got really good at this whole concept of like eating food in Europe because Europe's a wonderful place to eat every sure. region has a specialty right. and if you know the right guy they want to show it to you right, exactly. so traveling around France you know if we're in the south and we're in Bordeaux we're going to drink the Bordeaux we're going to have the local cuisine if Excellent. we're in the north right. of Spain and Basque country we're going to eat big fucking steaks and sepia mm-hmm. su propio tinta and drink the Ribeiro del Duero you That's know right. and people ask me you know why did you stay you know in Spain for three years you know was it, was, it, was it the drugs was it the sex I'm like no it's the white anchovies <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean because I couldn't fucking get one anywhere else in the world I think point. we actually played with the white anchovies in Spain one time <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah. their first EP was awesome but what I always say about whenever this topic comes up with all of our pals the, the we, always, we always say how great it was touring Europe and the food and everything else and then I always say but who's your favorite band from Utrecht so there's something about America <laughs> well, that, that you know that I, comes up with great rock and roll I, I don't call Buddy Holly being from Paragon you know, you know what I'm saying Chuck Berry's not from fucking Paris no, I mean no, we no. live in the land of rock and roll this right, is, right, right. and you know indigenous language you know right. that we have here of rock and roll um, and you know from, from New York and from Detroit you know and, and from uh, Ohio Cleveland, Ohio I mean geez Louise I mean we right. all were you know part of some pretty fertile breeding ground right. you know for this Ameri- very distinctly American vernacular I think when we started it was easier because there weren't so many bands touring at the time and we sort of got a leg there's up there's a lot of isolation too mm-hmm. this is like the pre-internet you know right. and which is what your book is about the Gunk Punk well, Era I... is the pre-internet days the last yes. pre-internet days totally yeah how the fuck did we ever do anything without a cell phone you do think about it like all the traveling <laughs> we did know, every friend that I know if we're just walking down the street now like where's that bar three blocks from here and somebody pulls out a phone and starts looking for the bar and it's like it's only three blocks let's just keep walking how many times did you get lost walking around some hill town in France where you played you know, a great gig where you couldn't find your way back to the hotel couldn't yeah. find the club we're trying to drive the van up to the club which is only like a block away but because of the kooky streets you couldn't find mm-hmm. it and you don't have a phone and there's no phone in the club and you right. don't you know and you can't call the guy away from the would... club but you can't get there because right. you don't know how to make the five left hand turns and two rights it takes to get there yeah especially if Tim Warren is driving your van <laughs> really quick I tell this quick one when we were at this show it was somewhere in Germany and uh, Tim was just getting Tim ran Tim Warren runs Crypt Records all of us have been involved with Crypt Records Crypt Alumni Show Crypt Alumni Show and um, it was this club and, and, and so Tim's backstage and he's getting increasingly hammered and um, it's probably only like 8 o'clock you know but, <laughs> typical um, Tim Warren yeah and he's getting really hammered and he's hilarious his favorite band was the Ron Chance and for 7 years he never saw us because he never was able to stay conscious exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, he got a Ron Chance tattoo signed us put out the records and never actually saw the band because he kept passing out oh, t- yeah Tim would always show up at a show and then he'd be passed out backstage like, and you'd go back after your show Tim what do you think of the show he's just lying there grumbling about the Grateful Dead and how much he hates them and, and so, so he's backstage and there was this biker couple this German biker couple with the leather pants and the motorhead shirt or whatever and they're very nice and they're very sweet and Tim's like fucking hippies you, you screwed up everything you're goddamn hippies you know and he's yelling at this nice little biker couple and they, they, had, they did nothing wrong they were just sitting there but they had the, the sin of having long hair and, and you know hippie t-shirts or whatever so he's yelling at them and he's, he's increasingly getting drunk I'm like Tim just get out of here because soon enough the biker guy is going to be mad right so Tim just leaves the room and the biker couple couldn't have been nicer and then uh, later we can't find Tim anywhere and suddenly I'm putting my bag up in the top little hatch in the van and I shove my bag I'm like why can't I get my bag in there and Tim is passed out yes exactly the president of my record label (laughs) is passed out in the fucking van I'm like Tim man everyone's been looking for you like Meek is freaking out where's Tim and he's like and literally he said this he rolled over and he goes 
fucking God, grateful dead fuckers. You know, that, that's all he said. I go, Tim, just wake up. And I go, just get up and get out of the fucking hatch. And then 20 minutes later, I go in, I pee, we get our shit out of there. Tim is sitting in the driver's seat with his sunglasses on. Let's go, daddy, let's go. Let's yeah. hit the Autobahn. I want to drive. I'm like, Tim, I just woke you up from a, a, a hippie-hating induced dream, and now you want to drive like four hours. Never a good, a good Never idea. Never a good idea. No. Well, Crypt Records was a very unique experiment. A great man. A great man. Yeah. Experiment culture. is a good euphemism, yes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but I mean, Tim, Tim, Tim had it right. I mean, the guy's got good fucking taste. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, the three of us, you know, they're above, above the grace of Tim. But, uh, I mean, the, tr- <laughs> the truth is, I mean, Tim liked crazy. He liked bands that were fucked up, that drank, that did drugs, that did speed, that really knew how to put it on, and, you know, did not play nice. We, weren't, I, we, weren't, we didn't play nice. I always say about Tim, compared to most label guys you ever meet, not all of them, but most, you more felt like you were hanging out with a band guy who was like talking about records and sort of like getting drunk and talking about girls at the bar or whatever, rather than sort of like discussing how we're going to distribute the record or whatever. Right. That might have helped, actually, sometimes. But, but I can think Tim of a couple just, instances where that would have been a much better discussion <laughs> than, uh, than what the Red no, Light District of Hamburg was like. Oh, he's the most fun ever to hang out with. You him. know, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you my favorite Tim Warren story as, as we relate the, the, the Crypt Records saga did you by the way did you ever get any of the famous faxes from from tim warren oh i have uh, i still oh have God, many, so many of my, I, that's the, the book that he's right we'd get somebody should make a book of those those faxes um i had two faxes that i wanted to put in my book and tim said ah, i'd rather yeah, not have because because you know, with, with, yeah. with stick figures of tim's like, this is what i'm doing right now and he's like throwing stickers of him throwing eggs at hookers outside his window on the reaper when box. we first went to la yeah. he drew a map of la and it said like take a right at the crack whore and there, was, know? A, and there was a picture of the crack whore yeah um we were playing um uh, in uh, Groningen uh, at the Vera Club everybody, one of everybody's favorite clubs Great all, club. all of maybe Europe. one of the best right. clubs all the world home. right loved it there I'm fortunate I got to play there three times with three different bands right. there was Sharky's oh. Machine and came back later with the Ron Chans uh-huh. and later uh, with the Pleasure Fuckers but we're there with the Ron Chans we're on the road with Nine Pound Hammer another great uh, yep. Tim Warren crit band yeah um, and Tim he signed them the same time t- he signed them t- 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 right. Tim Wayne was like so record. hot on getting this like Dutch booking agent to work with the label he's like you guys gotta be on good behavior tonight Tim's telling you to be yeah, on yeah, good okay. behavior and, and the band was like smoking this was like our 40th gig you know with like two nights off you know and we, we were sure. like on fucking fire we had our shit so nailed down tight and it was the best we've ever been right don't worry about it and of course we put it over like gangbusters but what's happening is Tim who says behave yourself meanwhile is like snorting speed you know like, you know, like a, like a pit with a chew rag right. okay okay. He's, he's drunk as shit when we got off stage people were like banging bottles on the edge of the stage to get us to come back on sure. a bottle broke Tim got cut so now he's covered in blood he's got white powder all over his nose and then somehow <laughs> someone managed to draw a Hitler mustache on him with a sharpie so, so Tim's walking around covered in blood and white powder with a Hitler mustache right the story ends up with him in jail by the way but also, uh, I thought, right? <laughs> the cops came in the next morning and he was passed out. No, and he had no, the Hitler no they went up to his hotel and dragged him out of the fucking shower because he had tried to rip a parking meter out of the ground later that night because he didn't have enough change with the parking meter. So he got into a, uh, an argument with the parking meter. And yeah, having failed. An argument with the parking I'm, meter. Having yes. failed, went back up to the hotel <laughs> and got his ass absolutely dragged out of the shower. Or I guess, you know, which was probably like the, the scene in Psycho with the blood circling right. around the drain. A scene I had seen many times torn with Gigi Allen, but we'll save uh, that yes. for another show. Yeah, and. Sure. and, and and, but next day, back on the road. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The show must go on. That's the thing about him. He would wake up. He, three hours later, he was always awake, always drinking coffee, and ready, ready to, to go. go. So. so the show must go on. What's that next for the Dirt Bombs, Mick? Uh, well, the record comes out. The, the full length comes out in January. There's going to be a couple more singles between now and then. And uh, the record comes out in January. And then sometime in 2013, we're going to be touring 
like crazy. Yeah. 150 gigs a year. Give That's me another 150 hard gigs, fucking man. core, Daddy O. Yeah. At, uh, you got any shows coming up before then? Anything you want to tell the kids about? The Gories are playing in Spain. Right on. In October. Always oh, the Dirt Bombs are playing all tomorrow's parties. Also. Uh, this September. Also a good time. Here and in, once again, it's been the fastest 30 minutes on the internet. Yes, very Woo. fast. I want to thank you, Eric Davidson. Thanks, author Mike. Thanks for having of, us. Uh, the Gunk Punk Manifesto, We Never Learn. Mick Collins. And the Dirt Bombs and of course the Gores two of my very favorite bands happy to be here alright man for uh, Judy McGuire I'm Mike Edison here on the Heritage Radio Network and this is a new Bomb Turk song coming up my fine yeah. old band that I had many many years of fun and with you guys are still rolling a little bit right once in a while we played we, we were supposed to play in Spain this because, summer because you know why Eric why is because that? you never fucking learn I never learn alright here's Get the well new Bomb Turks. note here's the new Bomb Turks thanks everybody we'll thanks. see you next week Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our programs archived on our website or by searching iTunes for Heritage Radio Network. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website. Thanks for listening.